Welcome to the Digitally Native podcast, a podcast that explores what it means to be digital and to live digital lives. I'm your host, Fungai, and together we will explore a range of topics and trends around digital and social media and digital innovation. So grab a drink, buckle up, and let's get right into it. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Long time no hear. Well, it's only been a week. Um, last week got a little bit hectic and uh, I could not publish an episode of the podcast. But here we are back on track, uh, trying to catch up um, and trying to keep up with what's going on in this fast paced digital world. So much is always happening. We're continuing to monitor what's happening with AI. It's growing at exponential speed. So many issues and topics and debates are coming up as a result of that. I think last week or so, I remember seeing this AI-generated Rihanna and Drake collaboration on the Nigerian uh, gospel song Double Double. And I found that so interesting because I think there's a lot of Drake AIs, but then the Rihanna AI was unexpectedly very close to Rihanna's voice. And it made me start thinking about how AI can be used to reimagine situations where uh, people from Africa and other parts of the world who are not considered to be part of global culture can appropriate, I'd say, appropriate their um, public figures and make them sound like something local or indigenous to them. It's very interesting. I know there's a lot of ethical issues as well to look at uh, in in amongst all of that, but that's a very interesting take for me, especially because I look at something called African digital cosmopolitanism anyway in my research work, which kind of speaks to that. So I'm watching it from that perspective, and I'd be interested to know what perspective you're watching it from. Um, I won't take up too much time because today we have a really great episode. We are joined by the TikTok Sub-Saharan team and um, really great conversation that we had about TikTok and the future of the platform and all kinds of information that we didn't really know about TikTok or I didn't know about TikTok. And so this will be a really great episode. In line with all of that, I mean, there's all these things that are still happening with TikTok. I've talked a little bit about the federal hearing in the U.S., which um, kind of underscores a little bit of the shakiness around TikTok's future in the Western world. However, ByteDance, the company that owns TikTok, is coming up with new products, one of which is Lemonade, uh, which is a what people are calling a mix between Instagram and Pinterest. And we'll see how that goes. Uh, I'm on that. I'm seeing how that goes. And we will have some content about that very soon. So do watch out. We will be talking a little bit more about this app and other things. And um, this week, we will be launching our website. So do be on the lookout for that as well. And as always, if you have anything that you'd like to share with us about uh, our content or topics, or future ideas, please do get in touch. You can get in touch via TikTok. Look at me, I've got TikTok on my mind. You can get in touch with us via Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at Native Podcast. You can get get in touch with us on Facebook as well. Our Facebook page is the Digitally Native Podcast with Fungai Machirori. Or you can send a good old-fashioned email 
to info at digitallynativepodcast.com. I look forward to hearing from you. That's it from me for now. Let's have a listen to what TikTok Sub-Saharan Africa has to say. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the podcast. Um, today I have the great fortune of being followed, no pun intended actually, there is a fortune on this uh, episode. I have the great fortune of being joined by the TikTok Sub-Saharan team and I will let um, themselves introduce themselves. So hello and welcome to the podcast. Hi. Don't all go at once. Hi, Fungai. Thank you for having us today. Um, my name is Boni Swasidwaba. I'm the head of content programming for Sub-Saharan Africa, and I'm based in Johannesburg. Thank you. Yeah, I am the Fortune that you mentioned. <laughs> um, so, Fortune Kuliswanda. I'm the head of government relations and public policy for TikTok in Sub-Saharan Africa. Thank you so much. And so perhaps as, a, as an opening, you can tell me a little bit about what your work is on the sub-Saharan continent. Okay, so how much time do we have? <laughs> All the time you need. <laughs> yeah, I think when you subject this one, I can maybe talk about um, some corporate functions like comms, GR, stuff like that. Okay, great. Um, so... Okay, so I'll, I'll try and summarize in short, but essentially from an operations point of view, our focus is to work with creators, um, to build creator communities, and to provide a localized content offering for the TikTok consumers that are within the markets that we operate. Um, and so how that plays out is we have creator programs, that allow creators to express themselves creatively. We have some programs that support creators to do that as well through educational initiatives and some funded and supported initiatives. And then from a content programs perspective, we collaborate with our, a lot of our cross-functional stakeholders to basically offer programs that are of value. So for example, learn on TikTok, um, we did some work around Earth Month recently, just a couple of weeks ago, actually still um, alive in up at the moment. And then some more of the entertaining types of programs. So, for example, a program that we have live at the moment is called What to Watch. And it basically just... Um, yeah, entices uh, users to keep watching content and to basically keep up with what's happening in their favorite TV shows, favorite um, movies, etc. So that is what we do from a content operations perspective in a nutshell. Great. And I yeah. assume you, you take the policy lead. <laughs> yeah, you can see when this one is the exciting part of the job. Right? <laughs> yes, you're the dry policy person. <laughs> Absolutely boring one. In terms, I look at my colleagues in the which I was part of the, um, their teams. So obviously, like most organizations, they is the corporate side of, of, of all of that work. Mm -hmm. um, so primarily, we just exist to support uh, teams like Bonisa's teams um, to provide corporate support. You know, you put PR, you've got comms. Um, as well as GR. Um, G By the way, we use quite a lot of abbreviations and stop us if you don't understand. Yes, GR. GR is government relations. Okay. <laughs> government relations and public policy. So it's a, it's a very 
long um, thing. That's why I turned it to CTR. Mm -hmm. So basically what we do then is um, explore opportunities for collaborations with government mm -hmm. um, to showcase some of the work that we do. Uh, and I think part of the work also is to educate governments about platforms, how they operate, and um, help them when it comes especially to legislation uh, making processes. Mm -hmm. Because you might, you might appreciate that a lot of what is happening in this space is, is very innovative, um, you know, industry, uh, you know, leading stuff and governments may not be aware of it. So in case they want to put in laws or legislations or regulations, we normally would advise them on, on, on the best way to do that using international best practices, using, you know, some examples that we've seen working countries, you know, elsewhere. Uh, instead of you know reinventing the wheel, so that's um that's a, a big part of the job. Uh -huh. um, that's just what is probably five percent of it. A lot is you know day to day work and stuff like that. Okay. And I think just before yeah. we go back to content, um, I'm really curious to get a perspective from you. I mean, African elections and social media, that's always been a big thing. And TikTok is this new player. Um, we had the Kenyan elections last year. I think uh, there was a lot of um, talk about what role TikTok might play, you know, and um, there wasn't so much noise about it. Um, and then we have had the Nigerian elections this year. Um, and then we'll have elections as well in Zimbabwe. What have you noted is the role that TikTok has been playing in terms of information and perhaps even misinformation around elections? On yeah, thank you for that. I think, um, where do I start? Um, I think the first thing to emphasize about TikTok is that we are an entertainment platform, mm. right? Mm. You know, internally we like to talk, ourselves, uh, to talk about ourselves as is saying we want to be the last sunny corner um, 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 on the internet. You know, like, <laughs> pride, fun, or, you know, uh, yeah. people having fun. Yeah. And and it seems like Abonisha's team, for example, work super hard to keep it that way, primarily entertainment. We want to be that platform that maybe at the end of the day, you're tired of your long, uh, long hard day at work. You know, you switch on your app to be entertained, to, to learn, to, to experience to travel, you yep. know, online, yep. to experience new cuisines, you know, and stuff like that. Mm. Um, so that's our primary focus. Of course, politics being politics, it will make it into the platform in some way or another, but primarily that's not like, even if you see videos that are, are around politics, I know it's very difficult to define what is politics and what is not. Mm. They don't get that attraction, mm. you know, users. Users, you know, they want to see fashion, they want right. to cook, they want right. to, you know, all of those things. Um, so we are acutely aware that, of course, during um, major events like that, people will come in and talk about elections, candidates of their choice, etc., and I think it's an industry-wide phenomenon. Mm -hmm. Initially, you're mentioning around, um, obviously, uh, what you call this uh, misinformation or disinformation. Um, so we've got specific programs that we then kickstart, especially during the elections period, mm -hmm. um, to help you with this. Um, our, our primary aim with our elections um, programming is to help users find accurate information. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the issue of misinformation the update actors and they can be very in inventive in you know coming up with all sorts of you know fake engagement, right. um, coordinated authentic behavior or you know that kind of thing or impersonation. Mm -hmm. They open it up and pretend to be this candidate and stuff like that, but only to put bad content and put them in bad light. Mm -hmm. So our our aim there is to make sure that we, we curb that 
sort of uh, occurrences of that bad content happening mm -hmm. so that um, users as citizens can make informed decisions. Mm -hmm. um, so what would they normally do is to partner, let's say, with an electoral body or with fact checkers or with NGOs in country um, to help us, you know, publish a, a portal mm -hmm. where we can put all that information. Basic stuff like when is voting day? Yeah. Who are the candidates? What yep. do you need to bring on election day right. and stuff like that? Right. Some of information that we could take for granted, but mm. for, for users out there, especially first-time voters, you know, youth mm. and youth mm. uh, kind of people, may mm. uh, find very useful. So that's what we do. Yep. And uh, we've done that, as you said, in Kenya, uh, in Nigeria, in South Africa, and many other countries around the world, actually. Sure. So we'll keep doing it. Um, and then soon after the elections, back to normal programming. Sure. Great. And I mean, you've raised something really interesting about how, you know, obviously TikTok is an entertainment platform. And so people are using it to share information in a lighthearted way. And so sometimes you find that even some of the influencers who are talking about serious things like elections are using, you know, fashion, makeup, humor, something else. They're not talking about it directly. And so if you have um, content that is then veiled in this way that is not very direct, how then, you know, content moderation and all of those things come into play? Obviously, there's, there's um, machine learning or simpler ways to pick up misinformation and disinformation. But how then do you pick it up if it's failed in this very entertainment-oriented way where it's not as direct and overt? Yeah, so, so there are many layers when it comes to the issue of moderation. There are many layers in how moderate information, right? Mm -hmm. As you rightly say, the majority of uh, our content is moderated by uh, by machines uh, due to the sheer volumes itself. You know, probably like ninety five percent of the content we take down, and these machines learn every day, right? Mm -hmm. um, so they help us, you know, to to get rid of the clearly, obviously bad or illegal content. Mm -hmm. But now, as you're saying, there could be instances of now context or local language uh, or parody or satire or humor and stuff like that. So this is where human beings come in. Mm. Um, so after the change, we've got the local teams uh, of human beings who operate around the world 24-7. We actually then go into those details and, you know, moderate um, that content um, uh, as we go. And, and I think it's important to also say that we like to err on the side of uh, free speech. Mm -hmm. uh, not everything that Fungai puts, uh, puts out there about elections needs to be taken down or, you know, and stuff like that, people should still be able to engage as they freely do mm -hmm. in the real world. Yeah. Right? Um, but if it's obviously very harmful misinformation, then we, we, we take specific action. Mm -hmm. And in most of these countries, anyway, we've got uh, functioning courts, we've got laws around defamation and stuff, so people still have got avenues. If, let's say, a candidate is slandering another candidate, at times, you know, during politics that happens, mm -hmm. um, and people know they've got recourse, they can actually take them to court, sue them for defamation. They can also contact us and say, this is being shared about me and it's inaccurate, and we look into it and we take the appropriate action. Yeah. So there are many of these layers that um, that um, that we apply when it comes to um, elections. But I think the most important one is working with fact checkers. Mm -hmm. So fact checkers, we've got a network of fact checkers globally. Mm -hmm. um, so. The, the most important thing for, you know, with them is that there could be content that's disputed mm -hmm. or is disputable. Uh, let's say they can come in and say, 
and it is so and so owns 95% of the land in Zimbabwe and stuff like that. We can push that kind of content to a fact checker who looks at it and they will come back and say, in fact, land ownership patches are this, this and that. Mm. Um, and what we would normally do to a video like that, we put what we call a video notice tag. It's like a, a sticker that mm. runs at the bottom of the video that for more information about this issue, click here. Mm -hmm. So we then redirect the user, you know, so we're also teaching them as well to do research and stuff like that. Yep. So there's quite a lot actually that happens in the background. All right. And um, I think also this content moderation is a sector-wide issue as well. Um, and that came up, I think, quite clearly, strongly last year where there was a conversation around how um, poorly uh, content moderators are remunerated and the kinds of content that they then are exposed to, which, you know, leads to mental health issues and, you know, all kinds of challenges. What work are you doing to make content, content moderation um, a fairer practice for the, the people who actually carry out that work? Yeah, so we've got, we take, we take the issue of, you know, the well-being of our, our moderators very seriously at TikTok. Not just that, even the well-being of our own users. Mm. Um, so our moderators is our staff. We take that very seriously. They've got uh, access to all the support that they will need in terms of exposure, post-exposure. Mm -hmm. um, in case they see content that is, you know, um, traumatizing or triggering. There's so many things that they actually, um, you know, access the resources internally that they access to. And we make sure, obviously, fair conversation, uh, good working conditions, you know, um, good hours, not long hours on the desk and, and, and stuff like that. But um, as I said from the beginning, the first part of call for us, I think, I don't know about other platforms, but we really rely on machines. Mm. Um, so that they, they, so so the tail end of our moderation is when human beings come in, mm. uh, and most of the times it's now issue issue specific, mm -hmm. uh, you know, violations. Um, so for example, maybe violations dealing with, let's say, law enforcement or stuff like that. We have a, an issue specific team that knows how to deal with that kind of content. Uh, and issue-specific abuses. So it's not really like a deluge of mm. everything that comes in, it's right at your face. It's, mm. it's now when you need to come in to really look at context and, you know, analyze all of that and, and be able to make a decision. Mm. Um, but yeah, we, and, and we've got these moderators all around the world. Mm. They're definitely not stationed in one country mm. um, to make sure that what we call a follow-the-sun model mm. um, so that there's always someone up at any time of day um, to be able to deal with um, uh, um, you know, content that may need to be reviewed. Mm. And and just one question before I just I'm not I'm not abandoning you, Bonnie. So you have the the, the heart and soul of the the conversation. But then I just wanted to ask you before I, I move on, um, around you know the machine learning of this moderation system. I mean, yeah. there's so many languages on the continent. You think of one country like Nigeria and how many language groups there are there. Um, how how efficient is this machine learning to be able to pick up content in local languages, which there's so many uh, ranges and um, groups of those languages on the, the African continent. Right. So, so I'd split that into two parts, right? Mm -hmm. The first is AI. Mm -hmm. AI is just the technology that we use. And then machine learning is the one that is constantly work, working to, to adapt, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So basically, I would say what? Just trying to simplify it. If there's a violation um, that is... 
let's say, recorded, or it's, it's, let's say someone reports it, and we become aware of it. Let's say someone uses a, a harmless phrase, mm. like, let's say, Fungai. Mm. You just think, oh, Fungai is the name. Mm. Uh, then we don't know that Fungai is actually being used to label certain human beings this or that way, or it, it now constitutes hate speech. I'm not saying your name is hate speech. <laughs> I'm, I'm just giving an it's example. It's all love. My um, name is all love. <laughs> <laughs> so then what happens is once we are now aware of it, we're now feeding it into the system. So mm. the machine is actually now learning. Mm. So in terms of efficiency, it's learning every day and it's becoming more and more efficient as we go. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just keeps learning. It just keeps in, in, ingesting all those details. Mm-hmm. So someone who puts something to us, we also feed the algorithm. Mm-hmm. So the algorithm now, algorithm now knows automatically, okay, this is a no-go. Mm-hmm. Or maybe let me hold on to this, let me pass it on to a human reviewer and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. you can't say for sure you're going to know everything, every bad piece of content that's going to happen yeah. until it happens. And then you now know and then you now stop it. Sure. Uh, so, so is that is that kind of process? Okay. Just to simplify, but that's how it works. Got it. Got it. Thank you so much yeah. for those inputs, Moniswa. Twenty twenty, this pandemic comes from nowhere and puts us all in our homes. I mean, TikTok had existed before this time, but not many people knew about it. What do you think made TikTok the platform that got so many people through the pandemic? Uh, I mean, we definitely saw um, a lot of people ranging from like families to individuals jumping on the platform and participating in some of the challenges that started trending. Um, Yeah, there were a lot of challenges that became popular during the time. Um, Don't Rush Challenge was, I I think, one especially from an African um, context that blew up and kind of got African people excited. so yeah, I, I think that's generally what happened. People were participating in challenges. Those videos started circulating on other platforms. People perhaps then saw those videos and then just started becoming curious about, you know, all these challenges that people are participating um, in on a platform, which was TikTok. And I, I think that's how we ended up growing. And that's a platform that um, allows trends and content to go viral. For sure, and most certainly, we've definitely seen um, we've definitely seen the African narrative dra- travel in different formats and in different forms. We've seen this in music with various um, music trends that have trended. So more recently, um, Gulosa by Oxlade, Love Noan Titi by CK, which was a massive hit. And then, of course, Ameno Amapiano. Um, and, and we continue to see that. We continue to see African sounds and African music go viral globally. And the same is happening for our narrative. So Don't Leave Me is a perfect example of that. It was a trend that was started in Nigeria by Josh Tufani, and it literally traveled the world. Um, and so I think definitely we've we've most certainly seen the African narrative travel by virtue of the fact that creators have the opportunity to tell their stories by making use of the creative tools that we have on the platform and by engaging with the rest of the TikTok community on the platform. Mm, mm. And now, you know, we have this um, sensation, the Senegalese, uh, well, he's of Senegalese descent, uh, Kabelame, and he's the highest TikToker in the world. Um, Are you leveraging that as, as well in any way to say, hey, you know, the continent just produces this excellence and, you know, here we are. 
I think we are, but maybe not enough. Um, I, I think we're definitely proud to tell those stories and we're definitely proud to witness, you know, the growth of an African creator um, explode on TikTok. But we're probably not, you know, celebrating that enough because we are seeing more and more stars being created on a on a day in day out basis. Um, so yeah, maybe that's a, a kind of like a learning for us to tell more of our stories and to be more vocal about our, our successes, um, particularly pertaining African creators and African stories that are being told on TikTok. Right. And I'm very interested as well to ask you, because I think this came out of um, the United States last year around Gen Z. I mean, this is obviously another thing about TikTok being this different um, demographic and generation of users where we've had millennials being the natives before. And now, you know, this is Gen Z's turf. And I think um, a research um, out of the Pew Institute showed that um, in America, a lot of uh, young Gen Z people were using TikTok as a search engine. Um, have you found that to be a, a similar phenomenon? Are people um, on the African continent, besides enjoying the trends and the content, uh, are, are they finding their information through TikTok? Um, I, I can't speak specifically to the actual kind of like, you know, uptake of search on the platform, but I can mm -hmm. definitely speak to the uptake of what I would say we call useful hashtags. So for example, book talk for example yeah. your hashtags like learn to learn learn to tiktok or learn on tiktok yeah. these hashtags are definitely growing in vvs they're definitely growing even in terms of like published so how many people are using the hashtag mm. um on their own videos so we're definitely seeing the uptake in terms of you know useful hashtags or useful content that is growing on the platform and becoming more and more viral mm -hmm. And, and is that in any way encouraging um, cross-continental um, exchanges or collaborations? Yes, definitely. Um, I'm actually trying to think of um, an example that comes to mind in terms of, actually, um, Ameno Amapiano is actually an example of where we saw some cross-continental um, um, participation or cross-continental collaboration. So the we ended up actually working with the artist, so Goya Ameno, um, to work with two creators uh, from North Africa specifically to basically create the challenge video for Ameno Amapiano. So we're definitely seeing creators out of their own reach out to counterparts that are not necessarily based, uh, you know, within their own countries. We're definitely seeing those types of collaborations on, on the platform. That's great. That's great. And of course, I mean, there's a, a lot of politics happening around TikTok at the moment. Um, you know, there's all these um, government issues, bans, um, you know, hearings that have happened um, with the U.S. government about the, the platform. And I mean, that's largely, I think, because it's a, a, a platform that's an outlier and that it's not a, a Western um, uh, Western owned or headquartered platform. It's run out of China. Uh, is that in any way, um, you know, affecting anything to do with the African continent? Because obviously there's a, a geopolitical issue there with um, the West and, um, uh, you know, countries from a certain region of the world. Uh, is, that, is that in any way impacting Africa at all? And do you see that impacting Africa in any way? Um, maybe I can take that. Um, so, yeah, first of all, it's not run out of China. Okay. <laughs> Still correction there. Okay. I always, I, I, I always say that when journalists actually say, you know, run out of China. And it's very important because okay. actually this could be at the core of what is, is happening. Mm. Um, TikTok 
was founded by someone of Chinese origin, mm-hmm. but our headquarters are actually in, in Singapore mm-hmm. and in, in the US. Mm-hmm. There's no TikTok in China. Oh. There's absolutely, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Okay. Uh, so it's just, yeah, it's just one of those things that always like, the app is a global app, it's mm-hmm. a global app. So okay. I was saying that um, uh, our users uh, continue to use the app in Africa and we continue to have very good relationships um, with many other stakeholders in, in the media, in government, in civil society. And we are on hand really to answer any questions. For example, if government feel like they've got questions about um, how, how we store and, and how we uh, process data, we are very clear on all of that. In fact, we're one of the industry-leading um, platforms uh, right now in terms of transparency, in terms of what we do, um, how we model content, how we treat people's data, how we protect their privacy. Uh, we publish our, our transparency reports um, every three months. I believe there's no other platform that actually does that. These transparency reports actually show um, how much content we take down for violating our community guidelines. And we also go into detail about, you know, which governments around the world have asked us to take down which content and what were the actions um, and the reasons for either taking it down or leaving it on. I think the other innovative thing that we're very proud of at TikTok is the Transparency and Accountability Center. We have this around the world right now where we're inviting um, critical stakeholders such as governments, um, such as civil society folks, to actually come in and see how we actually work come to our data centers and have a look at how we moderate content, have a look at the TikTok source code, um, exactly how mm-hmm. that works. And I think um, we will continue to push the envelope on, on, on these innovations because, you know, earning our users' trust is very, very important. Mm-hmm. And we want to demonstrate effectively and not just talk about it, but to demonstrate um, that they can trust us. Mm-hmm. Back to you, Fugai. So, so would you then agree that there is an impasse um, with the Western front of countries and TikTok, because I mean, as a consumer, as a spectator, we are seeing all these governments banning the the app on government platforms or on government devices. So you you do say, yes, that it's not headquartered in in China. It has its offices in Singapore as well as in the US. But we are seeing this as, you know, as bystanders. So, So is there a reason why that is happening? Yeah, I'd say, I'd say um, I think it's important as well, even for your listeners, to actually you know, say that this is not new, mm. right? Mm. Um, in, in most corporate devices, not just government devices, mm. I think even in, in offices and schools and stuff like that, people say on a, on a corporate device you can't use social media. It's mm. not new. Mm. <laughs> it's something that has happened with other social media platforms before mm-hmm. where they're like, oh, you can't be using a, a corporate-owned device for your own personal, you know, spending hours, countless hours on social media. Mm. So we've seen this with the development of all other platforms in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm, I don't really think it's new, but the, obviously there's a geopolitics um, element mm-hmm. um, that we've referred below, uh, before, but really I think we've seen this many times. Right. Where, uh, let's say, in a, in a, in a, let's say, a corporate uh, network, there are some websites or platforms that are, are, are blacklisted uh, because people are like this is social media, this is for fun and games. 
we're only using the internet for work. Mm. Um, so that, that's what we're seeing. And remember, this is just government-issued devices. Yeah. But the people themselves can continue to use those on their own devices. Right, right. Um, so that's, that's, that's where I think I need to um, add a bit of clarity. All right, all right. And, um, you know, in closing, I mean, Gen Z, we've talked a little bit about Gen Z, and, you know, I think there's this, you know, great interest in this generation of young people who don't conform to any of the standards or the rules or the guidelines that um, our previous generations have um, aligned themselves with. There's also this conversation that um, t uh, TikTok is likely to be the last uh, real social media platform or application in the in the way that we know apps. Uh, what would you say about, you know, firstly, Gen Z as this, um, are they really a standout generation or are they just um, at the confluence of a technology that's visual and a very different, a different kind of orientation? And, and what would you say about the future of social media in general? Um, all right, let me answer the, the first part, then I'll hand over to Bonisha to talk about maybe Gen Z, mm -hmm. um, users generally. Mm -hmm. um, so, so, so the one thing that I definitely want to say is, you know, I always, I always like to say with people like when I'm doing workshops with government, I always like to say TikTok is not a social media platform. Mm. And I always have fun when I see their eyes pop. <laughs> um, but the reason, the reason behind that, really, to be honest, is that we are not built like a social media platform. So, for example, I'm talking about uh, in, in, in a platform where you need to have users, like lots of users, for your content to, to be big or to be viral. Uh, on TikTok, you actually don't even need to have followers. Uh, for, so followers is a thing, but it's not really a thing. We are more, we're not organized on what you call the social graph. We're organized more on the content graph. So it's about your content. So when you sign up to TikTok, you don't really need to follow people in the standard way that some is organized. You can just say, oh, I love golf. Alas, this is where our interview came to an end. Uh, we started to have a little bit of connectivity issues. Uh, and so we don't quite get to hear Fortune's last uh thoughts in full detail and neither do we get uh, to say goodbye to both uh, Fortune and Boniswa. Nonetheless, I really hope that you've enjoyed uh, everything that TikTok Sub-Saharan Africa had to say about the platform. I learned a lot. I hope you did too. And I'm sure you noticed I kept saying TikTok Sub-Sahara as though Sub-Sahara is not part of <laughs> the African continent. I don't know how I kept leaving that out. Um, but I meant to say TikTok Sub-Saharan Africa office. All right. Thank you so much. And I look forward to being with you again next week. Until then, do take care. As I said at the beginning, do send us a shout out if you have anything you'd like to mention about this podcast episode. We are on Twitter at Native Podcast or also on Facebook on the Digitally Native Podcast with Fungaima Chirori or else you can send us an email at info at digitallynativepodcast.com. Thanks again. Take care. Enjoy the rest of your week.